of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silver Screen and Roll in SB Nation, Lakers community. I am Christian Rebus, and you can follow me over at Rad Rebus. Uh, and I am joined, as always, by Jacob Rude. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you on Twitter, Jacob? Uh, it's a super complex one, at Jacob Rude. Wow. Well, yeah. didn't... Shockingly, there aren't a lot of people who want to use Rude in their Twitter name, <laughs> so it's pretty easy to come by. Yeah, Christian... Rebus is a fairly common name um, I've discovered and I'm not even like or actually that's not true due to the the grace of God I am one of the top results when you search Christian Rebus but before anybody started reading my writing the first result that would pop up for Christian Rebus is uh, somebody like murdered somebody in gang violence oh no yeah and uh, so if could, employers wanted to know more about me, that's the first thing that they see. And the worst part about it is that it was somebody of Salvadorian descent. And that's where I'm half from. Like, my, my dad's from um, El Salvador. So, yeah, it, it's a really bad look on me. Like, my their case against me would hold up in court. Absolutely. Um, um, is the first line in your Twitter bio not the murderer? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one. I think it's been long enough. Also, the ages don't match up, so I mean that's the one thing I got going for me. But um, we're not here to talk about um, murder. If, if you want a good <laughs> true con- crime podcast, I heard my favorite murder is good. Um, but crime that's this is one that I listen to too. We can we can, it's it's like the middle of the off season. We could throw like a true crime <laughs> podcast in here. I don't think too many people would complain. Yeah, I know. I was talking to to some of my one of my buddies in vegas and this was when uh russ and jimmy was just a rumor and i was asking him like have have two teammates in the nba like ever killed each other because i think we'll monitor the situation in miami and see what goes on there but it would be like a very stepbrothers-esque murder (laughs) where they just like they both go for it and they both knock each other out just lying in the grave right i think i think that's how it would happen um we have lakers basketball to talk about or at least uh players from lakers basketball to talk about starting with lebron james and the big news that came out today uh is that according to shams of the athletic lebron james will be hosting a mini camp uh for all of the ninos on the lakers uh, in an effort to gel ahead of the 2019-20 season. And I thought this was good. Like, this is obviously a positive step in the right direction. There's nothing wrong with it. My question for you, Jacob, is why now and not last season? Uh, it's something I was kind of thinking about um, when I when it was or when I read it this morning. Um, I think part of it is everybody's kind of a veteran and kind of knows their roles. I, I mean, last year's team was so weird and so kind of oddly put together. It was this mm-hmm. weird mix of young guys and, like, I don't even know if all of them were of age to even do anything in Vegas. And, like, I mean, you could do it anywhere, though. But I, it was just such a weird kind of mixture of teams, whereas this team has, I mean, they have title aspirations. They're a whole new group. They're all veterans who are going to know kind of their roles and whatnot. Um, And it's not... I mean, we've seen teams in the past kind of of the same... uh, Kind of the same goals do this. I mean, I know this is sacrilege, but the one that I thought of was Boston before the 07-08 season. Mm -hmm. I think they had training camp in Rome. um, And that was always kind of pointed back to as like a big bonding moment for him this isn't quite rome um or italy um but getting all the guys together i mean it 
it's good. I, I like it. I like that everybody's willing to work together and willing to go out there. Hopefully everybody. I don't know why anybody wouldn't. Um, and I think it's what this team needs because they're, they're just kind of thrown together. I mean, I know some of the guys have played together in the past, but as a whole unit they haven't. They're going to have to learn on the fly a lot, and the pressure is going to be pretty immense. So any extra time um, they can do this, do things like this, um, is going to help them. Yeah, and I, I think the thing that stuck, stuck out to me and I think occurred to me uh, as I was reading it and asking myself why it didn't happen last season is I think LeBron James really didn't want to come off as him coming to the Lakers and making it his team. I think he understand or understood that the young guys were all really close. They had something going. Um, Luke Walton had a culture he wanted to build, and, and the young guys were part of it. And so he kind of just took a step back and was like, hey, I'll do what you guys are doing. We'll do scrimmages at the practice facility like you guys have, like you guys did last summer and have been doing this summer even before I got here. Um, and, you know, I think for the most part, I think LeBron just kind of took a step back and said, like, hey, I'm just part of the team. This isn't my team. I think after the events that have unfolded over the last year or so, I think LeBron James is absolutely going into this season and saying, like, yo, this is my team now. Like, it, 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 or my and, and 80s team. Mm-hmm. Make no mistake about that. If we're going to win a championship, it's going to be because of me and AD. And I think that's really, really exciting for Lakers fans because I know that's the LeBron there at, at points of the season they were all waiting to see is the guy that, that takes the reins of the team and, and leads the charge. And in his first season with the Lakers, I just think he was so like hyper aware of how it would look if he came in and just said, like, oh, I run the show now. Yeah, and I mean that is a completely believable, like a, a reason or excuse or whatever you want to use. Because I mean, LeBron's always aware of kind of how his actions are perceived. Um, so yeah, I could totally believe that. I mean, they kind of, I mean, they did this to an to an extent. I mean, I remember all the stories last summer were about how much everybody was in the gym. So, I mean, they were all together. It's just they didn't go to Vegas. But, yeah, I mean, this sends a different message. And, I mean, like you said, this is this is something that LeBron, I think he has done in the past with some of those Cleveland teams. But this feels more like something he's done in the past like that where um, he brings everyone together, kind of takes ownership of the team. Yeah. And um, kind of leads the way and and whatnot so yeah i mean it it makes sense and it feels like lebron's more comfortable um this season he's kind of the team's built more like those cleveland teams were and he's kind of reverting back maybe not reverting but he's going back to the the way that he was in cleveland where he knows that this is his team this is built around him to succeed and this is a way to get a step up and kind of start ahead of the curve before training camp starts. Brad Turner tweeted or reported some details uh, about the camp. So it'll be from September 22nd to the 26th. um, And each training session will be about two and a half hours. And they're going to be training at Impact Basketball. Um, So very, very exciting stuff. And then a few days after that, uh, they'll travel to I believe San Francisco to take on the Warriors in the new Chase Center so yeah I was looking I was looking for this while I was talking LeBron did this back in 2015 yeah well Um, he did it in 2015 2017 and 2018 yeah and so yeah this is definitely something that he has done in the past and um listen LeBron's had a very successful career last year aside, I mean, even statistically last year. So if this is something that he thinks gives the team an advantage, then I'm all for it. I really don't see much of a downside to this. Neither do I. I think it, it, the more involved, and I said this going into the offseason, 
and I've cooled down on it a little bit because I think Rob Palenka has done, um, or at least the front office has done a pretty good job this summer. Don't have too many complaints. Uh, but even with that in mind, I think the more LeBron James is involved, the better mm-hmm. off the Lakers will be or any team he's with will be. Uh, so, yeah, nothing but good stuff there. I don't know if this was common knowledge, uh, but I don't believe it was. I didn't see it announced anywhere. The Lakers are set to have media day on September 27th, which is two days after my birthday. Last year it was on my birthday. Um, so that's nice. No better way to spend your birthday than transcribing <laughs> hundreds no, think, of minutes of interviews. I, I think Harrison was very gracious last year and, and let me have the day off. So um, it's just going to be a little easier for me to get the day off this year. So uh, a lot of that to look forward to. Before then, though, uh, at least one Laker will be playing basketball. Um, at least that's the hope. And it's Kyle Kuzma who is with Team USA right now fighting for a spot in the World Cup roster uh, when the international tournament tips off in China later this month. Um, Kuzma, I mean, from what we've heard, has looked pretty good in these scrimmages. Uh, And there have been uh, videos here and there of him and his new shooting form, uh, splashing threes. I know he lost the shooting contest from P.J. Tucker in the corner, but, I mean, P.J. Tucker's been (laughs) taking that shot since he was probably six years old, and he has not missed since then. I was going to say, P.J. Tucker in the corner is about as automatic a shot (laughs) as there is uh, from a random role player. (laughs) And and even, like, I agree, P.J. Tucker is a pretty random role player. I think he's an impactful role player, but when you think of, like, the national stage USA basketball you didn't exactly think PJ Tucker and there's a very very good chance he ends up making the roster this has been such a weird like process I mean I know everybody's talked about it but just looking at the names of guys that are in this camp uh, Brooke Lopez (laughs) like (laughs) look I like Brooke everybody liked him as a Laker he was obviously a topic for a long time last season at no point did I ever think Brooke Lopez was going to be representing USA. I mean, maybe, like, for a couple seasons when he was with the Nets, kind of in his prime. Yeah. Uh, this version of Brooke Lopez, when I watched him two years ago in the Lakers, I never thought, hey, that's a center that could play on Team USA in two <laughs> years. Um, yeah, I mean, P.J. Tucker is a good role guy. Like, I don't know. He's He's not really much more than that. Like... Um, it's just odd. Marcus Smart, like, and Bam Adebayo, like, some of these guys are just, like, it's really odd. But, I mean, they've had to. They've went through so many names to try to even just get 15 guys to show up, basically. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I mean, there's been some talk about it. I still think whatever 14 guys that they pick out of this, that, and... There's some select guys. Darren Fox is going to um, almost certainly make the team. Mark Stein tweeted. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Marvin Bagley maybe did. Uh, maybe a couple of these other guys. Joe Harris, if he's shooting really well. Maybe even Trey Young. Um, picking 14 guys from that, I still would take them over the field pretty comfortably. Um, I know basketball around the globe has advanced in right. the last couple decades but this is still the best assortment of players that's going to be at the world cup and later this month and i totally agree like i tweeted out and got and got some some backlash for it if you limited the team usa to just players under 23 i still think they take Mm -hmm. the tournament with flying colors and um, so yeah i mean that's where i stand on that the biggest question to me, though, is even though Kyle Kuzma was one of the, like, 15 or so whatever players that were invited to the camp, I think there's a chance he doesn't he doesn't make the roster. Um, I mean, there's certainly a chance. The, the cuts are going to be weird. Like I said, Mark Stein seemed to suggest that 
deer and fox was going to be a lock. Um, I would be surprised if Kyle Lowry made the team because he's he just had surgery this summer. Right. Like maybe he's healthy. I'm not sure. Um, I would assume they're not going to take three centers to the World Cup. Mason Plumley, Brooke Lopez, and Bam Adebayo are all on the roster, so I guess there's probably another cut. I would like um, to see Mason Plumley win a gold medal. That would <laughs> that would be the peak of all Plumleys. Miles Mason. Um, who's the other one? Marshall. Marshall. Plumlee? Yeah, Marshall. Uh, a quick story because the Plumleys are actually from Indiana. My roommate in college uh, played AAU with one of them um, in kind of early grade school, early middle school. In ninth grade, um, his dad started up an AAU team. They have open tryouts. Um, some kids get cut, and um, it uh, one of the kids that gets cut ends up moving to North Carolina. A couple years later, um, his dad's watching ESPN, and Mason Plumley is on Duke, and that was the kid he cut. And he said at that moment he realized maybe coaching wasn't for him. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, b- between Mason Plumley, Brooke Lopez, and Bam Adebayo, that's another cut. So, I don't know. I don't think Kuzma's a lock, obviously, but yeah. I'd be a little surprised if he got cut. Um because ju- it's really just a numbers game. Like, wh- and, Well, I didn't even mention Miles Turner. So, yeah, they're definitely not taking four centers. I would be surprised if they – I wouldn't be surprised if they only took two, um, especially with – it came out today that Kuzma was playing some s- minutes at the five. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I guess Luke Walton's on the Team USA coaching <laughs> staff. So – yeah, I mean it's it's a numbers game, and I would be surprised if he didn't make the team. Yeah, I hope I hope Kings fans are are ready for like. God, Marvin who? Bagley's playing the five this year. For oh yeah, minutes. and not just Marvin Bagley. Like I think Bialitsa might even play some some center next season, even though they have Deadman and Harry Giles on their roster. Yeah, that, there's gonna be some odd lineups with. <laughs> Like I would, I'm salivating at the thought of Marvin Bagley trying to guard Boogie or even Anthony Davis next I, season. I, yeah, I think he's going to be a good player. I just I, I do know. too, but he is uh, physically not quite able to match up with guys who've been in the league six, seven, eight years now. And Anthony Davis doesn't even know who Harry Giles is. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I I I think the thing I'm most excited to see. Uh, is one that new shooting stroke because Mm -hmm. the biggest thing for him and he kind of alluded to this in an interview with um, uh, Young Masika of of ESPN um, he was asked like do you think you can be that third superstar for the Lakers Uh, and he said and I quote I don't feel no pressure but I believe that I am capable of being that superstar I put a lot of work in my progress through my journey shows that I can be there, and I developed every single year dating back to college, and I don't see that development stunting at all. Last year, I didn't shoot the ball well, and I still averaged almost 20 points per game. If I can shoot the ball well and keep develop- developing the facets of my game defensively, I don't see why I can't be that third star. It's true. Like, if he knocked down the three-pointer with the same consistency that he did in the year before, he probably would have easily average close to 23 points per game in like 23 points per game on 45 percent shooting from the field and 37 percent from the three-point line on the contract he is like i know lakers twitter for some reason has has turned on kuzma a little bit in in recent months but i mean man even if he isn't the best defender that is still a like a very valuable player to have he I mean, we've talked a lot about this. I won't dive too deep into it. But he had, his role changed so much. And it was that and a mixture of him getting in his own head. He's a guy that I think is going to um, benefit from not having nearly as much pressure on him this season. Right. Um, he's going to have, I think, so many open looks this year. 
because I think he'll see a lot of minutes with LeBron and AD on the court, and even Boogie, um, playing off some of those bigs who, um, they all are good passers. Um, if he can find space and um, in this new form works, and he does shoot something closer to what he did his um, rookie year, then it's going to be a really big year for him. Um, especially off or particularly offensively um he has quite a ways to go to be a third star to me because there's two ends of the court and he is uh not great defensively to put it put it nice i think at times he was misused and kind of joking about the small ball five stuff that was a train wreck from the start and it was always going to be but um he had moments during the first two years um mainly last year as well, where he looked competent defensively. I think in the end, he's going to be a guy that probably should guard wings instead of bigs, um, which really I think he probably is just a wing. I know a lot of people have um, considered him a four because that's what he played in college, and more or less that's what he's played in the NBA, but um, I think he's probably just more of a wing at this point. And that, I think, is the role he'll play this year, especially... I mean, I could see him playing a lot of minutes with Boogie and AD on the floor um, just to be able to space the floor. So, um, I mean, I guess theoretically I could see him offensively if he can go back to what he was his rookie year, then he's going to be terrific. Um, I mean, I've mentioned before that the big thing with Ma- with being a title contending team is you need guys to outperform their contracts. Yeah. And he ha- he's on such a small contract that I mean, even last season for as bad as it was, he outperformed his contract. Um so if he does if he does it like he did his rookie year again, he's going to be a huge help to this team. And I think the thing with Kuzma to me, the thing I really liked about him last season is he just for him, it just it, it clicked right away on how to play with LeBron. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because he was a scorer more so than than Lonzo, Ingram, and Hart. But I mean, if if you want to score, if you want to get points with LeBron James on the floor, you got to move around. And you know, I think he's the only one that got it right away. And you know, the numbers back it up. He um, and. Being able to be that, and, and before I say this, I want to preface this with I don't think Kyle Kuzma is the quality of player of the guys I'm about to mention. But you look at, like, title contending, or uh, teams that LeBron James has won a title with, that third supporting star, guys like uh, Kevin Love, you know, Chris Bosh, um, I don't think... Kuzma can be that, but I absolutely think he can be like a Shane Battier or like a a very off-brand version of of Ray Allen. Like, you know, the the guy that they can kick out to and, and can get hot when when they're having off nights or they're being guarded in a way that you know they just can't get shots off. I think having that guy is gonna be extremely beneficial to them. Um, and when you look at the roster, I don't know if they have another guy like that. But the guy I'm interested to see that I think can become that person uh, is the player we'll talk about when we come back from the break. So the Lakers, for the first time in, in I don't know how long, really put an emphasis on shooting uh, with signings like Danny Green, who is like a career 42% uh, three-point shooter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Jared Dudley's also around there. I know Jer- uh, Troy Daniels is a is a 40% exactly three-point uh, percent shooter. Um, that didn't make sense. But uh, <laughs> Quinn Cook. Close enough. Yeah, yeah. Quinn Cook is another one of those guys that uh, I think could be an X factor uh, for the Lakers just because Jacob he's he's such a he's such a damn good shooter. Yeah, I I know I cite synergy numbers a lot and I can't get them synergy sites down tonight, but 
you don't really need synergy to see how good of a shooter he was. <laughs> uh, he was 40% from three last year, which kind of speaks for itself. Um, and I, I've watched some film on him. I'm going to watch a little bit more. I'm going to do a piece on him because, as you said, he's the first kind of point guard in a while that they've had that can just knock down threes consistently. Um, I mean, the kind of irony is that they needed this for the last couple of years with Lonzo, especially with his injuries. Right. Um, and only after he's gone do they get someone like him. Um, but yeah, he's... He is... Uh, I, I guess like... I don't want to say undervalued, underrated maybe a little bit, because uh, he was in the shadow of Steph and Clay so much. Um, but, I mean, he played in 74 games last year, uh, 14 minutes a game. Um, I mean, to me, he looks like a guy who could I mean, step into a bigger role this year and flourish. Um, the tape I watch, I mean, he's a really smart player, um, which... I'm also, for those that don't know, I'm a Duke fan, so I watched him <laughs> for four years at, uh, or multiple years at Duke, and, I mean, he was a, a leader there, and that's another kind of reputation he's um, gained even at a young age. Um, he's kind of seen, as maybe not necessarily a leader, but a, a really great locker room guy, um, really smart player, um, a quick release that he's worked on since uh, since college, um, doesn't really need a lot of space. That's something I've noticed. I don't know if it's something he kind of took while watching Clay and Steph, but, um, if you're a a split second late on closing out on him, that shot's going up. Um, but he's also, I mean, he, he's mainly on this team going to be a, uh, a spot-up shooter, but he, I mean, he is capable of kind of scoring off the dribble, um, coming off a screen and knocking down kind of a mid-range pull-up jumper, um, stuff like that, attacking a closeout and, and hitting a jumper. He's not really going to finish around the rim. Um, his size is one of the biggest things that holds him back. He's 6'2", 180, and the 180 might be a little generous. You're right. Um, it's actually, so, I have a fun Quinn Cook story. Um when I was in Vegas for Summer League, he had just finished an interview with George George Sedano and Mike Trudell on ESPN LA. And I saw him walking by, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Quinn Cook. And then I realized as I was walking right next to Quinn Cook, I'm a, it says 5'10 on my license plate. I'm like 5'9 and a half generously. Quinn Cook, like I've seen guys in public that are Quinn Cook's height. Like, yeah. I think Quinn Cook is maybe six feet. Yeah, I was going to say, the 6'2 is generous as well. Right. I don't think he's 6'2". I don't think he's 180 pounds. <laughs> it causes some, some problems with him, really, on both ends. He's He do, really doesn't even try to, to attack the rim too much. Right. Um, he kind of opts more for pull-up jumpers um, than he does... Yeah, 15% of his shots were between zero and three feet last year. Um, so he's not really even someone that's going to opt much for um, a shot at the rim. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it plays out on the other end as well. I would say he is... I mean, his basketball IQ go like plays on the other end as well. He knows where he's supposed to be. But a lot of times he's so small and so um, that he does so just in general just so small. I don't want to say weak, but just yeah. like his body isn't big enough to really deter NBA players from doing what they want. I mean, there were a couple times where he flashed across in front of a cutter and was in the right spot, but it really didn't matter because yeah. he's so small they just kind of finish over him. Um, so that's going to be the big thing that limits him from being able to play on a consistent basis. Um and there's not a whole like unfortunately there's not a whole lot he can do about that like unless he's gonna really somehow learn how to have lightning quick hands and be able to just lock down any opposing point guard um that's always gonna limit his ability on the court but 
his offense is so good that, and his shooting is so good that, um, I mean, his role each season has increased with uh, each team he's been on. And, I mean, for those that watched during the playoffs, you saw he's a guy that can get hot on a moment's notice and just bury a couple threes. Um, I remember in that Toronto series, um, hit like three threes in a row. Uh, I want to say like game two maybe. Um, and just caught fire in the lit. That I mean, the Lakers didn't really have that last year. Maybe KCP, I guess Kuzma to an extent. Um, but they didn't really have that out of a point guard. Um, but, I mean, he's a guy who can just out of nowhere just boom, 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 knock down a couple threes and is on fire and um, suddenly a, a two-point deficit is a seven-point lead or something like that. Yeah, and I think the, the point you mentioned is the only I, – I wouldn't say I'm low on the signing. I absolutely loved the signing when it came out. I mean, when he was released from – from the Warriors because he was a restricted free agent and they renounced his right. I was so excited because I think he'd be such a good fit on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only downside to him is, is what you mentioned is, is on the defensive end of the floor. And of 100 eligible point guards last season in uh, ESPN's Real Plus Minus, in defensive Real Plus Minus, he posted the fourth worst defensive Real Plus Minus. Um, Jacob, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, and I'm going to ask you to guess uh, the only three players that were worse than Quinn Cook on the defensive end or at on, at the point guard position last season. Well, my first question is, is Avery Bradley considered a point guard? <laughs> no, he's <laughs> Because not. I'd assume he was worse. Uh, I mean, I'd probably be guys similar to him, like maybe like Yogi Ferrell or something like that. No, Yogi Ferrell is, is uh, slightly higher than him on this list, as uh, is... Frank Mason the third. I was surprised to find out. Frank Mason. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. Uh, I'm trying to think. Devin Booker probably isn't considered a point Mm-mm, guard. No. Um, the. I'm trying to. I'm going through the list of teams right now. He played against Trey Young, probably. Yeah, Trey Young is dead last. Yeah, that's not surprising. Uh, um, the. Yeah, I. I don't know that I would be able to guess the other two. Well, the other two play for the same team. Oh, my. And the funniest thing about it is that one of them is Colin Sexton, who going into the draft was like, he's such a dog on defense. He's a bulldog, and, like, he's going to clamp you up as as soon as you get him out in the perimeter. (laughs) And he was ranked second to last, uh, only ahead of. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, a, a dear close friend. <laughs> I uh, would not have guessed that, but that makes sense. <laughs> and the great news for Cleveland is that they added Darius Garland, who is also going to probably be in the bottom five in right. that list as well this year. And they're going to play them, probably all three of them, at oh the same God. time at some point. So. Please do that against the Lakers. Good luck, Cleveland. Um, yeah, Quinn Cook... Um, some interesting stats on him and, and, and reasons to be very excited about the addition uh, with him is that he shot or he converted I should say 46.6% of his catch and th- uh, shoot three pointers last season which is very good like yeah. for context I think Kuzma shot 30% like it's been say, that would be far and away the best on the team last year <laughs> I'd imagine and and I think the the thing I looking forward to with not just Quinn Cook but this team is that this is going to be the first time in a while that the Lakers will go into the regular season knowing they have reliable three point shooters because with Contavious Caldwell Pope and Kyle Kuzma last season the seasons before where they shot close to forty percent from behind the arc were kind of outliers in their entire career. Um, with Quinn Cook, Jared Dudley, Troy Daniels, and, and Danny Green, these are guys that have shown they can just flat-out shoot the ball. And <laughs> I saw somebody tweet today. I think it was um, our friend Unwritten Rules, um, who contributes at Lonzo Wire every now and then. He said the NBA really let LeBron James and Anthony Davis – get a bunch of shooters like what are you yeah. doing 
it's it's a uh, it's a team LeBron James is familiar with, except I think this is Anthony Davis is probably the best player LeBron James has played with since Dwayne Wade in that in those first two years. And I mean, we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. Maybe Danny Green's the best wing that probably either of them have played with. Right. And I mean, Anthony Davis has played with some decent shooters as well. LeBron, LeBron has as well. Um, but yeah, t- I mean, just touching on what you said, there is with last year's team or the last couple years' teams, there are always kind of contingencies. It was KCP and Kuzma shot well, but you know, yada yada yada. With these guys, it's proven track records. Jared Dudley, his whole career, has been a good shooter. Danny Green's been one of the best shooters in the league for the last almost decade, it feels like now, Mm -hmm. going back to the Spurs. Troy Daniels, I mean, I don't know how much time he's even going to see, but he's going to be a a knockdown shooter when he gets out there. Um, and And then Quinn Cook as well. And now suddenly, I mean, KCP was probably the best real kind of three-point threat last year. Um, I know his percentages don't back that up, but I mean, really, he was kind of the biggest threat the Lakers had from three last year, and Mm. he's like the fourth best, fifth, sixth best shooter on the team this year. Yeah. Um, So yeah, the Lakers have upgraded so big on that end of the floor, and I think Quinn Cook's a perfect example of that. It's going to open up driving lanes that LeBron didn't have last year. Um, I think that's one of the big things. There were times... um, where LeBron would be at the top of the key about ready to try to take his man off the dribble and guys were helping off Lonzo and Ingram so much that he really couldn't even get started on a drive without Mm -hmm. having to kind of change direction. Um, And with a guy like Quinn Cook, if they help over that much, it's a simple pass, three, and they made you pay for it. And, um, And these are the type of guys that have the reputation for that last year with Rondo, they would leave him open and it would just be like, well, if we lose because Rondo made threes, so be it. He didn't really have the gravity that these guys are going to have. So, um, it's a huge difference compared to what they've had in the past couple of seasons. Um, And yeah, I think Quinn Cook is kind of the perfect example of that. It's it's interesting that you mention Rondo because I think how successful Quinn Cook can be in in a, in a bigger role it kind of depends on who they're going to pair him with in the backcourt and I know we've talked about this at length uh, before but I think if, if assuming Alex Caruso doesn't start for whatever reason I think you can play lineups with Alex Caruso and Quinn Cook and make it work defensively mm-hmm. um, that three position is where it gets interesting to me because I think the only players you can feel comfortable playing alongside Quinn Cook is somebody that can guard, you know, the sixth man, whether it be uh, Lou Williams or, you know, Seth Curry in, in Dallas, although, I, I mean, he's probably going to start. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, guys like that, because um, Quinn Cook's not that guy, as, as yeah. we've discussed um, during the show. Um I think KCP would be a nice fit alongside him. But I think KCP, until Andre Iguodala breaks free from from Memphis, uh, is probably going to be that three off the bench. So, um, yeah, I think it it really – I mean, we talked about this last week, so I won't harp on it too long. But lineups are going to be so crucial to this team's success. And I think that second unit, starting at the point guard position – is going to be particularly important, and I really, really hope that Quinn Cook is the primary point guard and not somebody like, uh, say, Rajon Rondo. I mean, I've, I've said this a couple of times. I really don't think Rondo's going to have much of a like on-court role with this team. Yeah. The salaries bear that out with how much everybody was paid. Like, I think Rondo is a great locker room guy, and if that's his role, I'm thrilled that he's here. Um, but, I mean, I do think that uh, Cook and Caruso can work together. Rondo and Cook would not work together. That would be a <laughs> train wreck defensively. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see lineups like Cook and Caruso, KCP, and then, like, Dudley all around Boogie 
and kind of have Boogie be that initiator out of the post or on pick and pops and stuff like that and just put a bunch of shooters around him because Boogie's a tremendous passer. That was the other thing I noticed when watching some Clint Cook tape is Boogie is absolutely unreal at, um, in the post, just finding the open man if he's doubled or cutting uh, if somebody gets open stuff like that. So um, I think they'll... Regardless if Boogie starts or not, I think they'll stagger him and Anthony Davis um, a fair amount. And if that's the case, putting four shooters around Boogie, which is what he's probably most used to throughout his career, um, I could easily see Quinn Cook um, being one of those guys. Because those two had some pretty decent chemistry in Golden State the last couple of years. I'm, I am... Excited for Boogie. I know that that's not our oh, yeah. our pod. Sasha uh, did a pretty great pod on it. If you haven't given it a listen to already, um, yeah, that it's gonna be a fun season. I know I've said this like every episode. It just it feels so long until the season start. Five weeks, six I, weeks. I just want I want to watch basketball so bad. I just need somebody to film. Like every one of those training sessions in Vegas, um, I'm going to be usually the last couple of years I haven't done this, um, but I'm going to be intently watching every bit of like training camp footage and videos and all that um, that are open to the public. I am 100% ready for this team for this season to start and to see this team on the court because there's so many guys that I'm so excited to see in Lakers jerseys. I, aside from obviously LeBron and AD, so many of these role players that I think are going to be a lot of fun this year. Before we go, we'll 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 end off on this. If you had to guess, Quinn Cook's stat line next season, what would you put it at? Um, I mean the points aren't going to be much. He averaged a nice six point nine points per game last year. Right. Uh, I don't think it'll be much more than that. Maybe like eight points a game, but I would say he'll shoot. I mean, he's going to get so many open looks like he did last year. I would be surprised if it's under 40%. I'd say like 41%, um, a couple of assists here and there, maybe a couple of rebounds. Um, He played 14 minutes a game last year. I would think it'd be roughly around there, maybe a little bit more, maybe 16, 18 minutes a game, somewhere around there. The point guard rotation is going to be really odd. I think it's going to take them a while to figure out yeah, I agree. What, what's going to go on there. But mm-hmm. um, I think he'll see – he'll be a, a consistent role player. He was paid like a, a consistent role player. So I think he'll see pretty consistent minutes throughout the year. The, the thing I'm most interested in seeing, and I don't know if this sounds like a little naive considering he played in Golden State, but his career high for three-point attempts in a season, like what he averaged is, is 3.2. Playing alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who are going to de- demand a ton of attention on defense, I don't see why he wouldn't average more than that with the Lakers. And, and for that reason, I think he'll probably average closer like to nine points, ten points a game. Um, you know, if you just keep shooting that thing because – Lord knows, even in spite of like everything we said in this episode um, in regards to shooting, um, it's all about the right players hitting shots. Because in a perfect world, you're not playing like Troy Daniels and, and Jared Dudley 20 minutes a night. Like if they're hitting open oh, three pointers, that. that's fine. Um, but I think you'd much rather have have Quinn Cook on the floor and like. Uh, if he can do that, I think it's going to be really hard for for Frank Vogel to, to to take him off the floor. And I mean, you can even make a case. I won't because I think it's a tough case to make. But I think you can even make the case that like him alongside Danny Green and that starting backcourt wouldn't be so terrible for the Lakers. So um, I think on the thing with this team and especially this backcourt probably throughout the whole year is that it's going to be really matchup dependent, I think. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if there's, I won't say a constant shuffle, but a decent shuffle of the backcourt throughout the year. Uh, he started 10 games last year, which is with almost all injury. Well, I guess 
resting as well. I wouldn't be surprised if he started 10 or maybe 15 games this year. Um, in the right matchups, him and Danny Green do make sense in the backcourt. You could, like, a, well, maybe not Atlanta, but maybe even like a Cleveland. I mean, their guards aren't great defensively, as we found <laughs> out tonight. But yeah. um, matchups like that where he may not get his burn quite as much by the opposing point guard, um, you can start him and – He's going to provide plenty for you offensively that, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts a handful of games. I don't know that I would still probably start Caruso ahead of him on pretty much, yeah, probably most nights. As you said, it's a tough case to make, but I think there is a case to be made there to start him against certain matchups. Oh, Jacob, uh, you said, when you said injuries, I kind of just, I had an, an existential crisis. Like let me knock on wood, let me season. cross yeah. myself, let me go <laughs> sacrifice something and yeah. just be sure that that doesn't happen. I won't say that word again, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> that point guard depth, Oof. man, if there are two point guards injured at one time, I have no idea what their plan is. Starting uh, Rajon Rondo. Well, I mean, and, and speaking of injuries, I'm so sorry I forgot to mention this at, at the top of the show. Um, the Lakers have a head athletic trainer now. Uh, her mm-hmm. name is Nina, and I, uh, Nina, if you're in the off chance that you're listening to this, I'm <laughs> so sorry if I'm butchering your last name, uh, but I believe her last name is Nina C. Um, she's been with the team for quite some time now. Uh, was has been the assistant physical therapist uh, for the last three seasons, and then worked with the South Bay Lakers as the head of athletic. Uh, athletic trainer for seven seasons prior so she's been with the team for a while um and i know i I think marco nunez was kind of a casualty of just like well we got to do something about these injuries um and he lost his job because of it but i mean i really don't have opinions on this hiring just because like how are you supposed to evaluate that job other than injuries in the season and even then it's like sometimes they're freak injuries I think mm-hmm. that's what happened with the Lakers last season. Um, so, I mean, if health health permitting, this is going to be a really fun season. Quinn Cook will be a very fun player. Uh, and hopefully in a few weeks we'll have more to talk about because, Jacob, the well is running dry. It very much is. I'll go back to watching. If you get bored, just watch – games of Boogie or Quinn Cook or Danny <laughs> Green last year because that's what I've been mainly doing and it's been a lot of fun. Those guys are a lot of fun and it's got me very, very excited for for this season. Somebody asked me the other day because I've, I've been I've been a Dodgers fan the same way like people are Lakers fans. Like the way most Lakers fans are, it's like we know the name. They're a legacy team and when if they're going to be in the playoffs, I'll watch them. But over the last, I want to say, four years, I have become, like, emotionally invested in the Dodgers. <laughs> um, and somebody asked me, like, what, like, because I used to hate baseball because I hated the baseball players, like, that I went to high school with. They just, like, <laughs> reeked of, of everything I don't like in, in people. And they also just talked a whole bunch of smack on soccer, and that was my first love, so... Just a, a whole emotional baggage with baseball and this vendetta I had. And then somebody asked me, like, what changed for you? And I said, honestly, the NBA offseason. Because <laughs> during that time, I was talking to my mom. I have a cable box in my room that I think I've used three times since the season ended. And Hulu has live sports now, but they don't have Spectrum Sportsnet. And, like, even the uh, NBA League pass games are blocked blocked out where I live. So baseball, it is because this is downtime for soccer too. So the I've yeah I'm kind of in the same way. Probably six seven years ago, I started watching baseball more seriously. But I'm a Reds fan, and they I was just were gonna say good. <laughs> Say usually your it team, was, you coward. Yeah, usually it was around this this time of the year where I'm like, all right, baseball's over. It's not really any point paying attention. 
The Reds are actually good this year, although a part of me died when they traded Puig away. Yeah. Um, I, I mean. Yeah, I, I love him so much. But, yeah, I've watched way more baseball this year than I have before, and maybe it's just me trying to find something to take up my time because, man, every time I start watching video or thinking about this Laker team, I get so excited. that Man, opening night cannot get here soon enough. It's and, so far away. And against the Clippers on opening night. Oh, my. I'm going to have to take the whole day off just to, like, <laughs> control my emotions to get ready for this. And I think Arash Markazi of, of the Los Angeles Times tweeted out something that will be of interest to both Lakers and Dodgers fans. In the likely event, and I'm speaking this into existence, in the likely event the Dodgers make the World Series again, Game 1 of the World Series will be in Los Angeles when the Lakers and Clippers play on opening night. Um, have fun with that traffic. Yeah. As someone who lives in the middle of nowhere, I can assure you I have no clue what it's like. There'll be more people on the interstate that night than there'll be people in my county. So, I mean, have fun with that traffic because that's going to be an absolute nightmare. Is The Dodgers Stadium, is, is, it, is it even that close to Staples? Uh, no. No. Okay. Not so it'll much. just be traffic all over the entirety of LA. Yeah, which is constant, but I mean, <laughs> and it's not going to get any better with that that Clippers Stadium in Inglewood. So it's it's going to be an absolute mess. But uh, Jacob, if you had a if you got offered free tickets to either one of those games, which ones are you taking? Oh, I well, well, I guess if the Dodgers are in it, the Reds aren't. So yeah, I'll go to opening the opening <laughs> night. I was gonna say if the Reds are playing the Dodgers, maybe, but they can't. So, yeah, I'm gonna be opening night. Have fun watching Kershaw give up six runs. Oh, okay. Well, this this is where we're ending the show. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we have a ton of fun doing this podcast, and if you also have fun listening to this podcast, leave us a nice little review on iTunes. Uh, we'll probably do a mailbag pod here pretty soon. So, uh, if you have questions. Uh, tweet jacob or myself and we'll we'll get to them next time we do this thing uh jacob enjoy paradise and um i'll see you all next time